me, I don't want to set the world on fire. I just want to start a flame in your heart. Popcorn is how much Americans eat per year. Enough to fill the Empire State Building 18 times. 31 calories, zero grams of fat. That's what's in a cup of air pop popcorn. But don't let it go, Hollywood. A large bucket in a theater with butter and boom! You're looking at the fat and calorie equivalent of two Big Macs. Around 1,200 calories with 60 grams of fat. Three feet is how high popcorn kernels can pop. Unpopped kernels are called old maids or spinsters. About 14% moisture is needed for a kernel to pop. Don't get it and you won't achieve the 100% popability. That's the industry goal. Pop popcorn takes up 37 times as much space as unpopped. Speaking of popcorn that takes up space, 6,510 pounds, 8 feet in diameter. Here's the world's largest popcorn ball at the Indiana State Fair. 1912 is when theatres started selling popcorn. Theatre owners initially opposed it because they thought it would be a distraction. Then they realised the snack can be more profitable than the flick. Number one popcorn producer in the world, it's the US by a huge margin and 34% of it is grown in Nebraska. There are two popcorn museums in Ohio featuring popcorn antiques like popcorn poppers, popcorn containers and popcorn advertising. Can't wait for your popcorn? Four theaters in Kansas City are testing apps that will allow customers to bypass lines for popcorn by pre-ordering from their phones. That's a look at popcorn. Well, welcome everyone. It is National Popcorn Day today and um, it is the 19th of January 2020. I know most of you are just devastated as what you believe is going to happen and what you think may happen when in fact all you have to do is find your center, find you're still in the chaos because it is National Popcorn Day. I think a lot of you yesterday were a little bit freaked out. Um, you know, I've always said this is a movie and we've got some great actors. And yesterday I retweeted where someone had put out uh, Steve Nushin's, uh bio. And I, I think I should share that with you. For those of you that are no longer on Twitter and um, hadn't seen it, I think it's important that you do because it's, it's quite fascinating when you see exactly uh, what's going on uh, and how it goes on. As you can see, uh, he's been an actor for a while, and um, he's been in many movies. And um, a lot of people weren't aware of that. So... I post that to my Telegram room too. Anything I put on on Twitter, I put to uh, Telegram. I am trying to keep uh, the actual. Um, uh, no, he's a movie producer and an actor, not just a producer. Uh, but I, I just wanted to say I, I am updating Gab as well uh, when I can. Obviously, now social media is more 
on a web-based platform. I want you guys to uh, ensure that when you're having problems logging in, uh, that you know how to use digital camouflage, usually using other browsers, um, may solve the issue because browsers are now restricting uh, access to certain websites. Speaking of websites, did you guys get to see Looking Glass? That's a very um, object that um, we've been working on uh, for a while, um, idea-wise, and then putting it together. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it. A lot of you were asking about passwords, and that's not how it works. <laughs> that's really not how it works. I wanted to play this little clip for you guys to see how movies happen and how they suppress certain roles. Take a listen to this. can see there were a lot of people very frustrated that the Capitol Police stood down. Speaking of Capitol Police, speaking of the National Guard, we need to visit that because there are a lot of things that are being said. And I think it's important that we visit that correctly. So first, let's go to this clip. This one is from June 1st, 2020. Yes? June 1st. This is Good Morning America. Meanwhile, we've learned President Trump took shelter in a bunker underground Friday night as protests escalated. ABC's Inez de la Quatera has the new details. This morning, President Trump staying largely silent, except on Twitter, as protests rage nationwide. ABC News has learned with protesters gathering at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue Friday. Protesters. Briefly took shelter in an underground bunker. It's unclear what specifically prompted the immediate move to the bunker, which serves as a secure shelter that presidents have used in the past during terrorist attacks. According to an email sent to staff Sunday night, the White House is maintaining an elevated security posture due to the ongoing protests. In the meantime, critics claim the president is adding fuel to the fire with his recent tweets calling for law and order and saying the Secret Service was ready, if needed, to take on protesters with vicious dogs and ominous weapons. The president also retweeting this message saying this isn't going to stop until the good guys are willing to use overwhelming force against the bad guys. He should just stop talking. Um, this is like Charlottesville all over again. He speaks and he makes it worse. The president tried to strike a balance during scripted remarks. I understand the pain that people are feeling. 
But what we are now seeing on the streets of our cities has nothing to do with justice or with peace. Back outside the White House, this woman demanded the demonstrations remain peaceful. We are tired. We are people who deserve to live normal lives. If you can live peacefully in your white skin, I should be able to live peacefully in my black skin. I am not here to harm you. I want you to go home to your family just like I want to go home to mine. But we cannot do that if we're all being violent against each other. And D.C. fire crews also responded to a fire at historic St. John's Church, which dates back to the 1800s. The fire was reportedly contained to the basement. Kenneth and Mona. And as thank you. Hi, everyone. George Stephanopoulos here. Thanks for checking out. So apparently those were protesters and they deserve to be heard. And the National Guard in D.C. was activated on June 1st. Now. You're going to listen to this report from January 19th. Raised General Daniel Hokinson, the chief of the National Guard Bureau and a member of the Joint Chiefs. General, good morning, sir. It is nice to have you with us. Hey, good morning. Thanks for the time this morning to share with you. Well, we, we just heard about more than 20,000 National Guard troops who have come to Washington to protect our capital. It is simultaneously comforting and also a little disturbing that it has come to this. How confident are you that tomorrow's events will be conducted safely? Well, man, we've done a lot of work and uh, obviously look at the number of 25,000 guardsmen here in support of the lead federal agency. And we've really met every requirement uh, that they've uh, given us for this and also we're making sure that our folks are trained and ready for anything they're going to be asked to do and general it's our understanding that many of them perhaps most of them are armed what are their rules of engagement what have they been told so one thing i'd like to highlight first and foremost is that our folks are always trained in de-escalation techniques and we always want to de-escalate any situation that we're in when it comes to arming that's really made uh, that decision's made by the lead um, law enforcement agency and we're in very close coordination with them to make sure that whatever we ask our soldiers and airmen to do, that they're trained and ready for that. And so those decisions are based on that. At least one guard member was arrested in connection with the, the Capitol uh, insurrection on January 6th. Other members of law enforcement reportedly involved. And the FBI has issued a, um, a, an alert saying that every single member will be vetted before they take play, take part in this security. Is that kind of inside threat a worry for you? Actually, it's not a threat for me. Uh, I'm not concerned about that at all. When we look at uh, our National Guardsmen, you know, we vet them at a, throughout the process, and we don't allow extremism of any type in our organization. And when we look at this as a national special security event, the inauguration, this type of vetting is standard. Um, with all of these events, and just based on the size here, it's gotten a lot of attention lately. And what do you expect the m most of your uh, airmen and soldiers to do tomorrow? What is what are their what's their task? So primarily, they'll be providing security. We're also providing logistics, communication, and also a lot of coordination with all the other federal agencies involved uh, with the inauguration. This obviously doesn't end on January 20th at noon when a new president is sworn in. Do you expect this kind of mission to be extended beyond tomorrow, given the continuing threat? So when we uh, brought some of our soldiers and airmen on from the beginning, we did it for an extended period of time. And of course, this will be conditions based. Um, we'll see how the week goes and then we'll be in close coordination with the lead federal agency 
And based on any enduring requirements, we'll be sure that we're here to meet those. All right, General Hokinson, thank you so much. Thank you to all of those uh, who are doing this work on behalf of our country. We really appreciate it. Oh thank my you. gosh, look at that. They love yeah. the National Guard now. Before, they were very upset that there was a National Guard there. Hmm. Well, let's take a look at something else. So that way you can see exactly what's happening. Now, my encore, I already told you what the plan was, but a lot of people are freaking out. Oh my gosh, they're discriminating against conservatives. They're discriminating. Okay, take a listen. Yes, at other state capitals today, and we're getting new information about fears of an insider attack on Inauguration Day. Defense and the DC, DC and other capitals today. Officials say they're worried about threats from service members involved in securing President-elect Biden's inauguration. The FBI is now vetting 25,000 National Guard troops going to Washington. So now they're concerned that the military is partisan and that they will be involved in something that may cause harm to uh, President-select Biden. So here's where they say we're going to be vetting them. So how do we vet? Well, you've if you've watched Shadowgate, you already know there's a company called Clearforce. It's the same one that most agencies use. And it's been repackaged as a different program, you know, kind of like Kellogg's Corn Flakes, right? And um, it's going and going. What does it do? It pulls every single bit of information you have. Your cell phone data, your social media posts, your social media text, your text messages, your WhatsApp, your signal, your telegram, anything you have on your device, it takes. Your health records, your location records your emails, and it compiles a profile. Now, anyone that is in the National Guard that has any favorable post about the president or has voted for Republican or is conservative in any shape or form, decides that they want to wear a flag, wears things like 3%er, you know, subscribes to Q, listens to Tory Says, or anything like that, or follows the president, may indeed not be allowed to be in Washington, D.C. Why is Chris Miller doing this? Why would Chris Miller say we are vetting each and every one of them? And why are they saying if you support President Trump, you can't be there? Listen carefully. For the event, Mike Tobin has more on those preparations. National Guardsmen keeping a watchful eye on state capitol buildings amid FBI warnings of potential terror threats in all 50 states. In Michigan, a small group of armed protesters demonstrated Sunday outside the Capitol in Lansing, but kept things peaceful. We uh, encourage all of our chapters and factions across the country to come to their capitals on these events to urge a message of peace and unity to the left and right. States which served as battlegrounds in November's election are on especially high alert. There are armed, disturbed people who are in this state of mind where they believe that their country is being taken from them. And so it's a threat. Law enforcement in the states has to take very seriously. The heaviest security presence of all is in Washington, D.C. Saturday, Capitol Police arrested a woman who they say was impersonating law enforcement. When questioned at a security checkpoint, she drove off but was quickly caught and taken into custody. The area around the Capitol has been essentially locked down by the National Guard ahead of Wednesday's inauguration of President-elect Joe Biden. 
I do think we have to take another posture uh, in our city um, that is more uh, domestic terrorist focused than external. We don't want to see fences. Uh, we definitely don't want to see armed troops on our streets, but we do have to take a, a different posture. Secret Service, the FBI and other agencies are assisting with security here. Around 25,000 National Guardsmen and women have been. So let me stop right there while you look at this pretty picture and see the green White House. <laughs> da, da, da. So what are they fearful of? People exercising their Second Amendment because they believe that their nation is being taken over correct? And uh, so now all of you are like, well, that's racist. If no Republican or Trump supporter can be a National Guard. No, it's not. Mm. This is that when they actually do their plan, uh, what are you going to say? Oh, yep, this one right here. He got away. <laughs> Every single person that has been in there has been pulled through the algorithms. You understand? Pulled through the algorithms. And these algorithms were very, very important because now their plan is done. We just pulled away the only card that they had. Oh, look, even our military is infected. We need to deprogram and put people, like Katie Couric said, deprogram people, you mean re-education camp people, and take away everybody's guns because even our military is poisoned. You see? So now Chris Miller's like, wait a minute. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to strip any one of them that isn't a lefty, any one of them. And then if they try to go through with whatever they have planned, they get caught red handed. Now, many people are upset because you can see it this way too. Listen to what they're telling you. Oh, domestic terrorism, burning buildings. Killing people. Remember that old retired chief of police that happened to be black that was shot for a TV? That wasn't domestic terrorism where people were scared to walk on the street because of the color of their skin, right? That wasn't. It's now where people are like, you blatantly stole the elections. You think you're demagogues. You think that you're in charge when you're not. They already know. What's up? And those soy boys, you saw that soy boy on the screen saying, we're urging people to come down while he had a gun for peaceful protest. Dude, it only takes one person to get trigger happy. One plant. You see what I'm saying? While all of you are like, damn, that's super wrong. You know, they're like, you know, not allowing, you know, Republican or conservative soldiers to be there. Be like, yeah, we don't want them there. We want the super lefties there. That way we can see which super, th th this was activated June 1st. We have all their social media. So if something new pops up, we'll be like, well, wait a minute. Here's the profile we did on Joe Schmo that you said did it or Jane Schmo that did it. Hold on. We don't have any of these. Let's see when that Facebook profile, that MeWe profile, that Parlor profile, that Gab profile, that Twitter profile, that Instagram profile, whatever you want to pick, was created. Oh, well, it's proprietary. You're going to have to sue Facebook. Sure, because we're going to shut them down for harboring a domestic terrorist. We want to see who did this. Let's look at all their messages. 
We've already got everything we need. Now, while people are upset, but he's going to be inaugurated. Huh? Right now, I can tell you, today is going to be one of the longest days of the year. There are so many scenarios that can play. And we have a plan for their backup plan of a backup plan of a backup plan of a backup plan. I have told you this before. This was months ago. Let them get on that high horse. Let them get as high as possible. That way when they fall, the whole world can hear it. This is what it has come down to. You want to see fear? I'll show you fear. Hold on. I'll show you their fear. I'll show you what narrative they're pushing. I'll show you how they're putting it together. Oh, you think that this was something about them talking about you being a domestic terrorist? Wait, this guy did even better. Listen to this. Huh, suddenly we're all really, really bad. I didn't want to retweet it because I didn't want to give it anything, but it's called Trump's new army. Oh, you better freaking believe it. Also known as domestic. On or before January 20th, Donald Trump will no longer be the commander in chief. He will lose control of the army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, special forces, and America's nuclear arsenal. On January 20th, Donald Trump will become the commander in chief of a different army. This army. The greatest threat facing America today comes from within. Radical extreme conservatives, also known as domestic terrorists. They are hidden among us, disguised behind regular jobs. They are your children's teachers. They work at supermarkets, malls, doctor's offices, and many are police officers and soldiers. For more than a decade, Donald Trump has spoken directly to white supremacists in their language. Build that wall! Build that wall! Build that wall! Pocahontas, is it offensive? Oh. Oh, really? Oh, I'm sorry about that. Donald J. Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. In the middle of a presidential debate, Donald Trump was asked to disavow white supremacy. He refused. Instead, he told the Proud Boys to stand back and stand by. Proud Boys, stand back and stand by. They heard their leader. They even responded to him on Twitter, promising to stand by. And on January 6, 2021, Trump greenlit them. They suited up, they flew in, they took hotel rooms, they loaded their weapons, prepared their bombs, and they attacked with the intention of killing Nancy Pelosi and hanging Vice President Mike Pence. They were vocally saying, where's the speaker? We know she has staff, they're here someplace, we're going to find them. In the years ahead, Trump will lead his army of domestic terrorists. He will encourage and incite violence. He will play the role of arsonist and fireman. He will start a civil war and then say things were more peaceful when he was president. We have to fight back. In this new war, the battlefield has changes. Computers can be more valuable than guns. And this is what we need now more than ever, an army of citizen detectives. I'm proposing we form a citizen army. Our weapons will be computers and cell phones. We, who are monitoring extremists on the internet and reporting their findings to authorities. Remember, before the Navy SEALs killed Osama bin Laden, he had to be found. He was found by a CIA analyst working on a computer thousands of miles away. It's up to you. <laughs> so they want Karens. Let's not talk about Osama bin Laden and all this BS. 
But I want to show you what bad reporting really is. Here's this. Didn't any, why didn't Jim Hoft report on these leaked Zoom calls in September when they came out? He reports on it now. Oh, and he made sure to not show where they came from because that would show that reporters that they don't like, that aren't brick and mortar, are better than them. These are the plants from within. From within. You guys saw it in September. In September, you saw it. In September. Pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. How in September, these calls were there. We saw them together. We pointed out the size employee. We pointed out the Department of Labor's lawyer. We pointed out that they were organizing a federal coup all spring and summer, and now they report it. Look at it. These are the people you think are credible sources. You think they are credible sources. That's it. I mean, after all, they have Code Pink writing for them. Shame on them. Because they had a platform where they could have put it out. Instead, they smothered it and shut it down. But it went to the right hands who had it when they needed it. And that's what matters. But I want you to pay attention. While you sit and you look for your news, trust only yourself. That should tell you everything you need. Every single podcast, video cast that's talking about this now is not your friend. Because they could have talked about it in September, way before the elections. And hey, we wouldn't be here right now. See, because it's all about choices. Fixed point in time, though, never changes. All about choices. On October 12th, um, well, actually, let me take that. When Steve Bannon was reporting on this, he was focusing on Lisa Fithian. And Jack Posobiec was acting as if he had infiltrated these Zoom chats himself. And I was like, what a liar. My counterpart did. This is so dumb. You know, uh, why would you even lie like that? And so, but they were focusing on this crazy granola munching, vicious, evil, tree hugger, non-binary person. And I was like, so from all of these Zoom calls, they talk about her and not the people that matter which means none of them paid attention or saw what was going on. I was tweeting out, yo, Marie Stefan, yo, she's DOD. She's Peace Institute. She's friends with Esper. Now, all of you have seen that a lot of the firings that happened after we put this out, uh, you know, helped the Department of Defense. It happened just the way it had to at the right time. Though, you know, I'm an optimist and I believe in uh, redemption. And I thought that the right conservative middle ground media would have reported it and none of them did. And I have tons of shows bitching about it in September and October that they let that happen. And you have to understand Esper was the bait. Esper was the bait. Everybody played the role they had to. Esper was the vehicle to remove 
tons of people. Sometimes you put someone in to take the rest out. You have to understand that. He was put in there to get the rest out. He was put in there to get the rest out. <laughs> kind of like the way Ray is where he needs to be. So the FBI is vetting everyone. So if they try to attempt to do something, they will fail. They will fail <laughs> really, really hard. Because we've just killed every single plan they had to usher in this domestic terror. So now they're recruiting Karens online. Infiltrate their groups, be nice, get in there, see who's doing what, give it all to the police so we can pull them up and roll them up. That's, that's basically what they're saying. So here we are. It is January 19th, 2021. Kamala Harris has not resigned as senator yet. Again, it's a day before she takes the seat for vice president, and she has not resigned her seat as Senate when it's normally done in December or January. So why is it that she has not resigned her seat as Senate? Think about it. Why hasn't she resigned? Is she resigning today? That's what sucks. So on Wednesday, January 20th, uh, Alex Padilla will be sworn in to replace her. She's a senator. Why hasn't she resigned yet? Oh, she's resigning tomorrow? The paperwork is being put in today. That hasn't been done yet. You don't just resign and say, oh, yeah, that's fine. She put in her notice. No, she put in her notice. That hasn't been put into the record until today. So today it's put in the record on National Popcorn Day. That's the thing. You put in your notice. It's like if you resign, you're like effective blah. Immediately, it has to be put into. This isn't like uh, McDonald's where you get a job. You put in notice. It has to be made part of the record. That takes time to put it in the record. You see? So now today it's part of the record, which which is pretty interesting. It is pretty interesting. It's, ever, it's very interesting. So let me take you to understand how wars, because as I've been saying for a while, we've been at war. I wanted to play a clip. But the clip starts with something that I've said a lot before. That you need to know yourself. You need to know your moral floors. You need to know what you're capable of doing or where you're willing to go. Are you willing to get uncomfortable, right? Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Because a lot of people don't like to get uncomfortable. So you have to know yourself. Why? If you don't know yourself, there is no way in hell you know your enemy. And your enemy has infiltrated you for decades, 
has infiltrated you, every facet of your life. And this is where this begins. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb to every battle. Take a listen to this. The enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. Sun Tzu. War is part of life. It's in the nature of most living organisms to engage in battle, defeat opponents, and to dominate. With humans, we see this happen in war, in business, on the soccer field, in video games, in a nightclub, and even on YouTube. And chances are that when we're not engaging in a battle with our environment, we're waging war against ourselves. The Art of War by Sun Tzu is an ancient Chinese military text composed of 13 chapters that are devoted to the strategic and tactical aspects of warfare. The Art of War explains in detail how we must behave in battle and, more importantly, how to win. What makes a strong army? In what manner should we approach the enemy on enclosed terrain? And how should we use spies to garner information or to spread fake news? Aside from specific tips on combat, the art of war has a profound philosophical side to it. Sun Tzu argues that war shouldn't be taken lightly, that the highest form of warfare is defeating the enemy without fighting, and that being still and inscrutable is the business of a general. He emphasizes the use of intelligence over brute force and teaches us how to win battles the smart way. The beauty of the art of war is that its wisdom can be applied to our modern lives as well, even in times of peace, when we don't have to deal with bloodshed, but rather with work, sports, and daily conflicts in general. This video explores the wisdom of Sun Tzu's work, The Art of War. Sun Tzu, also known as Master Sun, was a military strategist and philosopher who lived about two and a half thousand years ago and is traditionally appointed the author of the art of war. But some Chinese scholars doubt the existence of Sun Tzu and believe that the art of war is a compilation of works by different authors. Sun Tzu, supposed to have lived during the time of the Zhao dynasty, around the time that the Taoist sage Lao Tzu and philosopher Confucius lived, his birthplace is disputed. Some say he was born in the state of Qi, others believe in the state of Wu, but the oldest available sources agree that he was a general and strategist who served the king of Wu. Throughout the ages, Sun Tzu's work inspired numerous people within the military as well as outside the military. The Vietnamese general Vo Ong Nguyen Zep, for example, defeated the French during the Battle of Dien Bien Phu by using tactics described in the art of war. And Brazilian soccer coach Luis Felipe Scolari used the ancient strategy guide to win the 2002 World Cup. The art of war emphasizes the importance of good preparation. The underlying philosophy is that victory and defeat are already decided before the battle is fought. This means that with sufficient knowledge and calculations, it's possible to estimate the chances of winning a battle. Which side is stronger? Who is more likely to win? Good research is essential. And if necessary, we need to employ spies to acquire the necessary information. We must know what we're up against and be realistic about our strengths and weaknesses. 
To create an obedient army, it's vital for a leader to know his soldiers. Every kind of soldier needs a different treatment. Self-awareness is the key. As if we know ourselves, we know which enemies we're able to defeat and which enemies we should run from. Oftentimes, it's better to avoid conflict if that avoids great loss. According to Sun Tzu, the highest victory is defeating the enemy without even fighting. Unfortunately, this ideal isn't always an option. That's why in life, we ought to pick our battles carefully, knowing which are worth fighting and which are a waste of energy and resources. And the battles we choose must be fought as efficient as possible. The strength of an army is limited. Even the biggest army in the world can run out of equipment, fuel, army vehicles, and of course, the soldiers who operate them. Lengthy wars are disastrous for a country and its resources and will only exhaust those that participate. Thus, the best way to win a battle is by striking quickly with the minimal use of resources. Don't destroy the enemy's cities and resources when we can use them for our own. And don't needlessly kill the enemy's soldiers when they can join our ranks. Here we begin to see the Taoist influences in Sun Tzu's way of thinking as he doesn't advocate for mindless destruction, but for waging war intelligently and leaving the enemy as intact as possible, so their force can become our own. I quote, In war, better take a state intact than destroy it. Better take an army, a regiment, a detachment, a company intact than destroy them. Ultimate excellence lies not in winning every battle, but in defeating the enemy without ever fighting. The highest form of warfare is to attack strategy itself, the next to attack alliances, the next to attack armies. The lowest form of war is to attack cities. Siege warfare is the last resort." End quote. In war, victory is a product of measurement, estimation, calculation and comparison. If victory is clear, fight. If defeat is certain, do not fight. If we choose to fight, we need to have sufficient knowledge in order to decide the right strategies that lead us to victory. For example, when we outnumber an enemy greatly, the best way to attack is by surrounding them. But when we are outnumbered, it's better to hide. In such a situation, applying guerrilla warfare has been a winning strategy for the Taliban in Afghanistan. The Taliban mingled with civilians and used secret hideouts and tunnel networks to remain unseen, while using sophisticated propaganda techniques and maintaining both cohesion and flexibility among their ranks. If they would have attacked their enemy head-on, they would certainly have lost. But by using coordinated hit-and-run techniques, they have proved to be a force to be reckoned with. A way to win smart is the art of deception. I quote, when able, feign inability. When deploying troops, appear not to be. When near, appear far. When far, appear near. End quote. You might remember the Iraqi Minister of Information, Mohammed Saeed al-Shahab, who tried to keep up appearances, telling the audiences that everything is okay and that his forces are winning. He might have been reading The Art of War. Unfortunately for him, his attempts to deceive the enemy weren't all that convincing. They are not near Baghdad. Don't believe them. In war, it's essential to be adaptive to changing circumstances. Like water, war has no constant form. The enemy changes all the time, as well as natural circumstances like season and terrain. Sun Tzu 
encourages us to derive victory from the changing circumstances of the enemy while staying formless ourselves. This means that we should always observe the enemy carefully and prevent exposing ourselves to them. This is how we stay aware of our opponent's ever-changing dispositions, so we can use them to our advantage. For example, Sun Tzu tells us to avoid the keen spirit and instead attack the dull and homesick, and that we should watch certain patterns to determine the enemy's strength. As he puts it, defense implies lack, attack implies abundance. He also tells us to ensure our own vulnerability and wait for the enemy's vulnerability. This is basically the core strategy when playing a game of squash. Focus on playing well, wait for your opponent to make a mistake and exploit it. The art of war lays out the different situations and how to act in them like different terrains. For example, we should camp on high grounds and face the open and always fight downhill. And if the enemy crosses a river towards us, we must not confront him midstream, but let half of his troops cross before we strike. Sun Tzu distinguishes nine kinds of battlegrounds that each require different ways of fighting. For example, when the ground is strategically advantageous to either side, it's strategic ground. For a company, this could be a specific location in a city. And for an army, it could be elevated terrain that is useful for combat. But there's also death ground, on which there's only one way to survive. Fight. An example of death ground is the Battle of the Morannon in the Lord of the Rings, which was the final battle against Sauron. Sun Tzu teaches us the importance of finding balance and inner peace when going to war. We shouldn't be too reckless, but not cowards either. And it's dangerous to be easily triggered, because it's easy to lure people with a temper into battle. This is an important lesson for a YouTuber, because getting triggered all the time by rude comments and internet trolls will only lead to exhausting, meaningless battles that are unnecessary to fight. Also, a general should be compassionate to his men and treat them with humanity, but being too concerned with them leads to worry and trouble. I quote, There are five pitfalls for a general. Recklessness, leading to destruction. Cowardice, leading to capture. A hot temper prone to provocation, a delicacy of honor, tending to shame, a concern for his men, leading to trouble." End quote. The art of war teaches us how to pick and win our battles, rather than focusing on brute force. Sun Tzu advises us to measure and calculate, to know our enemies and ourselves, so we can be victorious before even making a move. He teaches us how to be smarter than our opponents, deceive and manipulate them, and use any situation to our advantage. At the same time, he urges us to defeat without fighting and to prevent suffering as much as possible. If we can defeat an enemy without bloodshed, lead with wisdom and compassion while maintaining discipline and adapt to the changing nature of heaven and earth, then war is truly an art. Thank you for watching. Pretty interesting. And I know a lot of you needed to watch that and hear it because it was so eloquently strung together for people to understand uh, just how important it is to find your still in the chaos and how everything has a reason. Now, for all of you saying, oh, she resigned, I have the letter, nee, 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 nee. Um, and they're trolls. And unfortunately, a lot of people believe a lot of things they see 
I wanted to share with you this Hill video yesterday. And everyone uh, was intended, uh, knew that she was intending to resign on Monday, where she did this video. But again, it's not a job at McDonald's where you just, no. Okay? So you need to be very careful. You know, be careful who you follow, man. Just be careful. Here, take a listen to this report. To let Hi, everybody. I just wanted to, to let you know how honored I've been to serve as a United States senator from the place of my birth, the great state of California. Uh, back when I was a sophomore at Howard University in 1984, I applied to be a Senate intern in the office of the then senior senator from California, Alan Cranston. And this kid from Oakland, I got chosen to be one of the interns. And who would have known so many years later, I would actually run the office where I was once a student watching the incredible work that a senator can do, and especially a senator from California. It has been such an honor to serve with a team that has worked so tirelessly, a state team that has been there where we have received thousands of calls from our fellow Californians, constituents, concerned about whether they're getting their benefits as a veteran, concerned about FEMA protections during the wildfires, uh, folks who have contacted us about helping them um, get, get support from various federal agencies when they needed help most. It has been an honor to serve when we have done the work in the United States Congress of fighting for climate protection and fighting knowing that California has been a leader and we can do what we've done in California as a nation. It's been an honor to serve with so many extraordinary American leaders in the Senate doing bipartisan work, whether it was work to, to end cash bail or the work to strengthen our national um, infrastructure around elections or the work that we did to say that lynching should be a federal crime. These are some of the things that we have done over the course of my four years, and you gave me the honor of being able to serve. And so I just wanted to say thank you. Of course, I'm not saying goodbye. Um, in many ways, I'm now saying hello as your vice president. But I do want to thank you for the honor of representing the place of my birth as a proud daughter of California. Thank you. Huh. Lynching. You know what? Damn. I need to find it. Give me a second. Give me a second. I'm going to find that and show you just how long they've been planning this lynching. Give me a second. I'm looking for the... Oh, come on. Why is it taking forever to just... I just want to search it term not letters damn it going letter by letter and it's driving me insane um that's february damn it i'm so upset with this hold on i am going to find this totally gonna find this i just have to scroll back 
I actually did an episode in 2019 talking about the lynching bill. I'm trying to find it. I think it was the end of January of 2019. So I'm going back, going back, going back. Because I told you about Kamala. She mentioned it again. Damn, that Jesse Smollett is not going to get away. Nope, nope, nope. Hold on. Let's see. Uh, China. Come on, where is it? Damn it. I'll probably try to look for it during the break. Gosh darn it, I really wanted to show you guys uh, that because it's going to come really, really quick. It's going to come so quick. It's it's from 2019 where I told you about her and Spartacus um, putting together a lynching bill in uh, January of 2019. And then that Jussie Smollett, her nephew, uh, shenanigan happened. And um, it was in, in January before all the news came out. I was like, how convenient. He had a noose around his neck and his auntie was pushing a bill for lynching, right? And then, you know, I was just like, you know, oh, and then in February, I told you, see, CNN created the Smollett. It was Don Lamont, by the way, he's been very quiet lately, uh, that pushed it. And it was in, 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 in 2019 uh, where they were pushing this bill uh, really hard for a vote in January. And it was just like, damn, how is this even happening and no one's seeing this? Like, I was so upset. But then on the other hand, as you saw, your trusted news source, oh, if it's coming from the Gateway Pundit, it's definitely true. Man, stop. These people get paid. They make money. They don't care about the news. Now, I want you guys to listen to the news for today that came out this morning today. Leading to a smooth confirmation process for many. The 1776 Commission has released a report. It details the challenges facing the nation and calls for national unity around America's founding values. President Trump's advisory 1776 Commission has released a public report revisiting the nation's founding principles. The 1776 report notes the division among Americans in their understanding of the country's founding history and how it should be governed. It looks at challenges to America's founding principles, some that are historical, like slavery, and others that are contemporary, like progressivism, fascism, communism, and identity politics. The report states, the arguments, tactics, and names of these movements have changed, and the magnitude of the challenge has varied, yet they are all united by adherence to the same falsehood, that people do not have equal worth and equal rights. It warns of the dangers of modern political movements departing from America's founding principles. The report also calls for a national renewal of education that teaches future American citizens to stand up for America and defend our way of life. President Trump issues a proclamation lifting the virus-related travel ban for most of Europe, the United Kingdom, Ireland, and Brazil. But restrictions will stay in place for China and Iran. Trump's latest order will go into effect on January 26th. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Let's just stop right there. We're going to go through the 1776 report later on in the show. Uh, but I wanted to ask you a question. So he just, our president just put out an order lifting bans on the 26th. Yet tomorrow he's not president. Uh, okay. 
and terminate the previous travel bans. The CDC already issued an order requiring proof of a negative test or recovery from the CCP virus for all air passengers coming from abroad. That order comes into effect on the same day. Trump said that the Health and Human Services Secretary reports high confidence these countries will cooperate. But as Iran and the Chinese regime are not cooperating with health authorities, the ban remains in place for them. Now, I want to play a soundbite for you. From March 22nd, it was uploaded. Well, it was live streamed, actually. I believe it was live streamed or was it uploaded? I think it was uploaded. It was uploaded. Um, I want you to listen to me and Millie having a conversation on air. Real, because this is how they determined who was flying that plane or hijacked mm -hmm. that plane, right? So whatever it is, the only thing they want is a big database with everybody's face and information on it. So that way they know you. And, you know, we might see things like Minority Report. Actually, William Barr passed some really weird, you know, created this really weird task force on like preemptive, you know, crimes. And it's like, whoa, are we watching the Minority Report? Because uh, how do you determine when someone's joking and when they have real intentions? States have been taken advantage and have had access mm -hmm. to FBI databases. And apparently the FBI thinks they're an intelligence agency, right? That's what they keep claiming. And they have access to things. So that's kind of weird if you think some ho-dicky cop from, you know, this little town with five people can literally go on his computer and look at stuff that he shouldn't be looking at. Well, sure, it is weird. But when you look at the broader sense here, we're not just talking about uh, in states, these being ID, state IDs and, and uh, government IDs for America. We're talking about a, a global initiative, which is the ID 2020 initiative. Mm -hmm. And when we're talking about these other countries even initiating their own real ID system at the same time, that's all part of this initiative. Let's look at the broader perspective here because it seems normal and fine right now and it's not too much different than your typical id but where it's going to go and where it's going to lead to is actually going to be the, the key here and that is we should look at what is happening with id for africa 2020 mm -hmm. okay they've got requirements there in africa that you have to show a vaccination certificate against yellow fever to leave or enter the country now. And this is gonna be verified through e-document linked to the bearer's biometrics. So because I guess yellow fever is an issue in Africa. I've got vaccinated, okay. thank you, US Navy. Yeah, yellow fever <laughs> is an issue in Africa. So people that live there now have to take a certificate that proves that they were vaccinated against yellow fever when they go to get their identification to verify it, they then include that e-document in their real ID biometrics so that that can be tracked and related to. And so I'm wondering, okay, so that's a, a, a fever, right? That's a pathogen that they're worried mm -hmm. about and that you have to be vaccinated against. Mm -hmm. And they use your ID to track that. Is yellow fever racist? Right. I'm just thinking because it's yellow, so it's a color. Right. Or, so, yeah. so how does that then play in with coronavirus here, where there's all this paranoia about the virus, right? They're working towards a vaccine. We now have these testing centers where they're going to be set up outside of Walmart and CVS, where people are going to have to go up and give their bio, you know, their yeah, biological swabs. specimens over 23 to and me, the government Google. as to whether they have contracted the virus or not mm -hmm. 
at what point is it going to be that in order to even go to the store or access certain public settings around the public and not this social distancing <laughs> quarantine stuff, at what point are you going to have to prove that you've either already had the coronavirus or that you've been vaccinated against this new coronavirus strain? And how would they verify that? Well, they would verify it with an e-document attached to your biometrics, attached to your real ID, which there's a deadline by October 1st, 2020, that everyone's going to be on this new real ID. Apparently, without with your regular driver's license, you won't be able to get on a plane. So you need real ID. But if you have a passport, you're good. So yeah. I think that is the loop around. But speaking of e-verifying viruses, well, first of all, let's just call out, you know, we've got, you know, yellow fever, right? We had Zika virus, and then we had West Nile virus. That has to be racist, too. I mean, the Egyptians should be real angry. Oh, and, and it had nothing to do with Egyptians. The point is the name. But I want you now to see a report that just came out. You want to see it? Because this is where you're going to understand who does news and who doesn't, and who understands what is to come. Take a listen. The total economic loss of COVID-19 in terms of GDP and health costs is estimated to be around $16 trillion, according to a study by two Harvard University professors. To put that in perspective, that is 90% of total GDP. Clearly, we need to focus on reopening the economy as soon as possible. And I'm hearing there's talk about a vaccine passport. What is that? Yeah, so this is this kind of futuristic idea where we actually have uh, a requirement to get a certificate of wow. vaccination before we can do things. It's pretty clear that vaccination certificates are moving forward. Um, and given that, you know, how do we do it right? What if we were to be required to prove to employers, airlines or sporting venues that we're immune to the virus? I think it's a little premature to be thinking and to be talking about how do we get people immunization certificates. The last thing you want to do is, is create further inequalities and make people feel like they they really can't access the same things. We have to be ready for this to happen in the future. And if we miss the window a little bit and don't make money off it or whatever the you know the, the financial goal is, some way, shape or form, we've all realized that this has got to be in place. So what are vaccine verifications exactly? And can they speed up a return to normal? For herd immunity, between 58% and 94% of the population need to be immune. That means anywhere from 192 to 311 million Americans. As of mid-January 2021, nearly 10 million Americans have received at least their first dose of a COVID-19 vaccine. While you know, the vast majority of Americans believe that the vaccine is important to facilitate a return to normal life, nearly half plan to defer vaccination for, you know, three months or up to a year. And so this, I think, combined with you know, the inherent challenge of manufacturing and distributing vaccines really threatens to slow progress towards herd immunity and ultimately to economic recovery. That's where immunization verification passports or certificates could come in. Remember the yellow card immunization forms? In the age of a global pandemic, that could be a smartphone application or a QR code on paper. If we can make it work for travel, I think it allows us to study the, the technology as well as the validation, as well as the, the, conf the, the confidence and privacy 
that will then allow us to think about how do we use this for other things. I, I don't think it's going to make, and I don't believe it's going to make social distancing and masking go away until we hit herd immunity. But I think it's, again, it's this process of maybe we can reopen up things a little bit faster. For nearly five years, Dakota Gruner has been advocating for digital IDs as a basic human need, especially in developing countries. She's currently on a WHO-sponsored working group for smart vaccination certificates. Over the course of six months, the group is hoping to establish global standards for these types of solutions. This is a very complex multi-stakeholder effort. Obviously, they're trying to do this at you know, an international level. Um, but the idea is to do something, I think, quite similar to what we've done with ID2020 certification, which is what are the specifications of a good digital ID solution, or in this case, a smart vaccination certificate? And how do we get to the point where there's almost a list of you know, WHO recognized solutions? But you know, we don't pretend that in the interim, some of these solutions aren't moving forward um, independently. Dozens of startups, as well as major companies like Microsoft, Ticketmaster, Apple, and Google have shown interest or are currently working on creating their version of an immunization certificate for COVID-19. I think where we're at, at least on the technical side, is uh, a bit of a wild west. You know, it's pretty clear that vaccination certificates are moving forward. And given that you know, how do we do it right? Um, and how do we ensure that that investment is, you know, is made in the in the sort of greatest possible way? This is not the time to, to move fast and break things. Onfido is one of the startups who jumped on the idea early as an identity verification company with $200 million in funding. A vaccination app was a no-brainer. So the first thing uh, where we fit in is making sure that it is Kevin Trilly or Tala that is the person signing up for this service. And then there's a second step that says use the core service, book your, your travel in the case of SideHide or whatever. Then the third is... So remember what I said about Parler? Remember what I said about the requirement of your identification? And I played that clip for you with Millie where we discussed it and introduced that to you because that was going to happen. Nuremberg code violation, HIPAA. I sat here and told you my HIPAA was violated in a civil court by the attorney general. And nobody gave a shit. And that's a federal crime by an elected person that should know better. Obamacare, complete HIPAA violation. Because they've incorporated that every single private company that offers you any services is allowed access to your medical records, hence why it was unconstitutional. While everyone is thinking of, you know, oh, it's unconstitutional because you're forcing me or I only have two choices in my state for, you know, how Marco Rubio made his money in Florida by only giving Molina and somebody else contracts. Look, that's something. But the core of it because I helped write it, right? Is that they were giving away your information to any insurance company or anyone that was designated as someone that's giving you service. This is why in the early 2000s, when they discussed about taking everything onto Aero, the cloud globally for medical records, I was like, oh boy. And all of you ate it all up. That's right. If I go to Mexico and I break my leg and I can't talk, or if I'm in an accident, I want my doctor in Mexico to be able to access all my health information in the United States. Because if I can't talk, he'll find out I'm diabetic or I have seizures or, or, or. And everyone just was like, yep, let's do this. 
Because what do they use? Fear is a driving factor. Kind of like 9-11. Everyone was like, I'm okay with cameras watching me. I am nothing to hide. I'm okay with everyone listening to every single one of my phone calls and reading all my texts and having access to everything that I put in the digital sphere. I have nothing to hide. Well, mm -hmm. now what's up? See, the one thing after that show, because we did it a, a few days before it was uploaded, actually. Um, the one thing that President Trump did was delay uh, ID 2020 indefinitely, which the new administration is going to want to put in effect immediately. They will demand that you get vaccines. I mean, I already, um, you know, got a message from my um, daughter's school saying that they can't go back to normal and have class unless they're vaccinated. And since the vaccines are delayed, we're just going to keep it online. Hence why I'm like, damn, now I have to rent like some little apartment so that way I can have two residences and afford two rents so that I can have my kid in a school where she can socialize and not be forced to take the vaccine. And the reason that this school district, Cleveland Metro, has it is because they're part of a program called YES. Now, this program, YES, was created to be able to provide free college education to those students that graduate from a YES school. So they're under certain regulations with the smart cities, smart cities. Now, I want you to understand when in March of 2020, I was telling you how they were having DNA harvesting parties. How I mentioned that the state of North Dakota and that governor there was creating the software for it. They have documented every single person. Those hospitals there are sending messages for people to arrange appointments to get vaccines. Now that this supposedly secondary uh, administration is coming in, remember, we have Venezuela. Pompeo just tweeted about 15 minutes ago, hi to President Maduro, interim president. Yet the rest of the world, the UN, EU, and China recognize um I mean, uh, Maduro is president and president and president Guaido was tweeted, uh, by, um, Pompeo. I'm sorry. I misspoke there. So <clears throat> president Guaido is acknowledged, uh, by the United States as the president of Venezuela. Yet the rest of the world says it is president Maduro. Uh, I wanted to clarify that my apologies. So think two presidents, two policies, two administrations to policies. Are you paying attention now? I mean, it can't be any more clear than that. It was March, the first week of March, before anybody talked about anything that I told you exactly what this virus is. And how fear drives everything. And this is it. Here they are discussing how important it is. There are supermarkets and shopping centers that I've seen in airports that you can't go in unless you're registered and you have an app that clears you to enter. Soon, you will have to have identification that says that you are safe to be around. In order to do that, we need your DNA. In order to do that, you need to get the vaccine because we said so. And the vaccine has a certain CRISPR marker. And you are going to take it. Do you want to eat? You must do it. Do you want to rent an apartment or home? You must do it. Do you want a bank account? You must do it. 
Do you want to go to school? You must do it. Do you want a job? You must do it. Do you want to have a baby? You must do it. Do you want to buy a car? You must do it. Do you want a driver's license? You must do it. Do you want a passport? You must do it. Well, if they take everything away from you, like the lady said, you're going to be creating more segregation. You're going to be the leper. You're going to be those that are living underground. You've seen that movie before where we have the people living in the sewers and the rest living above. That's exactly where you go. So even though I've got on the front facing internet about six and a half thousand on you right now listening to me, I can tell you that only about a thousand of you will resist. Everyone always bends the knee in fear of their livelihood. And this is why it's important that we remember our foundations and our power. This is why I said what I was talking about yesterday about Ohio is very, very important because it is up to us, the people the people to rally up everyone else the people we the people we are not the underdog we are in charge so to take a break i got this in a message today and i wanted to play it for you because it sounded really nice and it's a listener and when she stops singing i'll i'll stop it take a listen Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. How once was lost. But now, now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear. And grace, my fears relieved. How precious did that grace, that grace appear. The hour I first believed when we've been there ten thousand years bright shining as the sun we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Cause I surrender all, I surrender all. 
All to Jesus I surrender All to Him I freely give I will ever love and trust Him In His presence daily Cause I surrender all, I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all, all to Jesus, I surrender glory, glory to his name. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship. Rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you hear. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. So I got that from a listener in my inbox. Um, I hardly ever uh, check my inbox because, you know, I don't like to use Facebook a lot. But I was just like, I'm going to play it for everyone. That was totally um, just a person pouring their heart out in song. And while many of us are confused as to what is coming, you have to understand, you're not going to change anything unless you realize exactly what is lost. That's when you fight. That is when you fight with all your might. And right now, not only have they taken a vo your voice away from the ballot box, which has been done for the past two decades, but you just only see it. And it was completely blatant. And not only have they taken away everything about America that you love, they have silenced you, they have ostracized you, and they, they had put you in a box. And now they're talking about marking you and segregating citizens depending on their choices. How much more do you need to lose to realize the fact that they're waging so much war against, so much ammunition of fear, demanding that you submit, indicate just how big of an enemy you are to them. You are many. They are few. And so they are in full panic mode. If we actually read 
our constitution, if we actually read the rights that we have been given, if we actually know history, hence why this report, the 1776 report, is so important. Just look at the table of contents. Let's look at the table of contents and think in retrospect what we have been doing together. What everybody else is, what we have been doing. We've been talking about the role of family, how we need to teach America, how we need to remind people of real history, the American mind and how we think and how important it is to understand laws. So this is the meaning of the Declaration. I don't know if you guys have read this, but I'll read this portion out to you, which is incredible. The United States of America is in most respects a nation like any other. It embraces a people who inhabit a territory governed by laws administered by human beings. Like other countries, our country has borders, resources, industries, cities and towns, farms and factories, homes, schools, and houses of worship. And although relatively young country, its people have a shared history of common struggle and achievement. From carving communities out of a vast, untamed wilderness, to winning independence and forming a new government, through wars, industrialization, waves of immigration, technological progress, and political change. In other respects, however, the United States is unusual. It's a republic. That is to say, its government was designed to be directed by the will of the people rather than the wishes of a single individual or a narrow class of elites. Republicanism is an ancient form of government, but one uncommon throughout history, in part because of its fragility, which has tended to make republics short-lived. Contemporary Americans tend to forget how historically rare republicanism has been, in part because of the success of republicanism in our time, which is derived in no small part from the very example and success of America. In two decisive respects, the United States of America is unique. First, it has a definite birthday, July 4th, 1776. Second, it declares from the moment of its founding, not merely the principles on which its new government will be based, it asserts those principles to be true and universal, applicable to all men and all times, as Lincoln said. Other nations may have birthdays. For instance, what would eventually evolve into the French Republic was born in 1789 when Parisians stormed a hated prison and launched the downfall of the French monarchy and its aristocratic regime. The People's Republic of China was born in 1949 when Mao Tung, Chinese Communist Party, defeated the nationalists in the Chinese Civil War. But France and China as nations, as peoples and cultures inhabiting specific territories, stretch back centuries, even millennia, over the course of many governments. There was no United States before July 4th, 1776. There was not yet 
formally speaking, on American people. There were, instead, living in the 13 British colonies in North America, some two and a half million subjects of a distant king. Those subjects became a people by declaring themselves such, and then by winning the independence they had asserted as their right. They made that assertion on the basis of principle, not blood or kinship, or what we might call today ethnicity. Yet this fact must be properly understood, as John, John Jay explained in Federalist Two. Providence has been pleased to give this one connected country to one united people, a people descended from the same ancestors, speaking the same language, professing the same religion, attached to the same principles of government, very similar in their manners and customs, and who by their joint councils, arms, and efforts, fighting side by side throughout a long and bloody war, have nobly established general liberty and independence. Yet as Jay and all the founders well knew, the newly formed American people were not quite as homogenous in ancestry, language, or religion, as this statement would seem to assert. They were neither wholly English or wholly Protestant nor wholly Christian. Some other basis would have to be found and asserted to bind the new people together to which they would remain attached if they were to remain a people. That basis was the assertion of universal and eternal principles of justice and political legitimacy. But this too must be qualified. Let me pause here for a second because this is one of the most important sections of this document. How many times have I said throughout my time speaking to you with my voice that the United States of America is a people that are united under one flag and the principles of this nation and nothing else. It's not hot dogs. It's not popcorn, Cracker Jack. It's not ball games. It's not football. It's not soccer. It's not the Great Wall. It's not a pyramid. It's not a monument. It is one flag. And what that flag stood for, unity built as one. This is what's important for people to understand. This document is telling you what we've been talking about for a very long time. Every other nation has eons of history together. Every other nation has many battles, many wars, empires that have risen and fallen. But America is an infant. And we were united under one flag that stood for principles of liberty and justice for all. That is basically how we were formed. Jay stated all these things, but it wasn't sufficient. This portion of this document is one of the most important ones. It is one of the most amazing reports ever to be created by an administration ever. The role of family, I told you, was destroyed with the creation of Social Security. 
Our students have been poisoned. To not have pride in what the founding principles and why this nation was created in the first place. They're telling you why it was all wrong. Yes, the king deployed people to conquer, to kill, to plunder, just like every other empire does. But it was those that believed in independence of the people. It was that little piece of good that built this nation, not your typical plummet, you know, just rampant takeover of property and wars. Every nation that has been created has been created upon a war. Borders are drawn and redrawn throughout history with blood spilt. Now, going to the reverence for the laws, we spoke about this yesterday and how important it is that you understand that there is no law of this land that cannot be made if you so request it. There are procedures, and we forfeit some of those rights to those that we elect to do our bidding. When they do not do our bidding, we have every right to remove them. This is something people need to understand. This is something people need to adhere to and remember. The whole world is at war with us. They are praising foreign organizations as leaders and flagships to how we move forward in the future. If it's down to the wire at any time, I would say this is about that time. This is what you should be thinking of right now. This is why <coughs> it's important, excuse me, to understand where your limits are, what you are willing to do for your nation, because it is your backyard. And it's not so much, oh, I'm going to grab my weapon and go. That's not, it's 2021. It's unnecessary. The sharpest weapon you have in your arsenal is prayer. That's something they cannot take away from you. And how you resonate. If you believe that you are defeated, you are already defeated. If you believe that the end of the world is here, it is already here. If you believe anything, it comes to realization. We are the most powerful force to be reckoned with. They fear you more than you can even imagine. They fear you. Because once you realize how much power you yield, they know that their days are numbered. And like that video that was propaganda to hire Karen cyber sleuth to eradicate and stick you in a gulag, demonstrated the army is massive. The army of people fighting for this nation is massive. 
and we do not even have to fire a shot. We do not have to make a cut. We do not have to even spill one drop of blood because we don't have to. We make the laws. We pay the taxes. We dictate everything. Therefore, why do we need to take arms? <laughs> the biggest arms that we take is yielding the power that we have. That is how we take control of the situation. Not, not by fighting, not by spilling blood, not by demanding answers, not by anything of that sort. We do not have to operate the way they believe we should operate. We operate with the power that was, in, was vested in us from the minute you were born into this nation. You are a leader, and that's the way it is. They are nothing. They have no power over you. You are the one that yields the power. And they understand that, and that terrifies them beyond belief. It terrifies them, and it should. Because their days are numbered. And when you realize just how powerful you are, man, the world is going to be on fire. Let's get some coffee quickly. Believe me, I don't want to set the world on fire. I just want to start a flame in your heart. Starting a flame in your heart. For what? Your nation. For what? I mean, who do they think they are? And no one said it best than yesterday when Greg Kelly took the screen and made it clear. I want you guys to listen to what he had to say. It's like right out of the movies. It was cold. It was dark. The KGB, no kidding, was following us around. You picked up the phone. You could tell somebody was listening in. And the media, well, on television, they only had one station. And it was owned, controlled, and censored by the state. Now, that's horrible, right? Folks at CNN, I think that kind of thing whets their appetite big time. What they're talking about right now is dangerous. Dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. I've more to say about that in just a bit. All right. I support the cops big time. I'm from a law enforcement family, but those cops have not only guns, but batons and stun guns and communications gear. And this is just yet another video of letting them all inside. Now, I've seen the struggles we have as well, ugly scenes outside the Capitol, but too many of these moments that have not been sufficiently explained. What else? Have you seen this yet? Hey! Hey, man. Glad to see you guys. You guys are 
Washington Patriots. Look at this guy. He's got covered in blood. God bless you. Yes, sir. You good, sir? Do you need medical attention? I'm good. Thank you. All right. I got shot in the face. Where are I got shot in the face with some kind of plastic bullet. Any chance I could get you guys yeah. to leave the Senate wing? We will. I've been making sure they ain't disrespecting the place. Okay, I just want to let you guys know this is like the sacredest place. I know. I know. Hey, no, I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take it. Chair, because my pants is a. Well, I'm not one to usually take pictures of myself, but in this case, I think I'm making an exception. Can you, hey, can, can you and Ray, can you take a picture of me? I'm my well, uh, I'm not one to usually take pictures of myself, but in this case, I think I'm But this cop, I'm sure he has his orders, but what is happening here? That didn't look like much of a siege. Now, I know Capitol... We saw some awful things, but this, so far, inexplicable. It goes on. We love you and we thank you. In Christ's holy name, we pray. Amen! 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 And uh, we appreciate you're doing, we know you're doing your job. Where's he going? I mean, look, easy for me to say I'm sitting here all comfortable evaluating these videos. But while those idiots were inside, did you see all the cops kind of just hanging out outside? What the heck happened? Now, good questions need to be asked of public officials. Now, I looked it up. Washington, D.C. is a city that surrounds the Capitol. OK, it's a city. The mayor down there is Muriel Bowser, okay? She's in charge of the police department, the Metropolitan Police Department. And a lot of those cops did a great job uh, last Wednesday. Um, but she has fundamental responsibility here, right? At least a portion of it. Why wasn't there a perimeter set up? What did she know? When did she know it? What about the National Guard? She was on Meet the Press. Those are questions that need to be asked, right? This is what happened yesterday. It looks as if there are there is more security around the Capitol than we've seen for any other inauguration uh, or any moment since 9-11. Is that a fair description? What level of threat do you think we're facing? And are you concerned that we're so secure in one place they're going to find softer targets in other parts of the city? How long um, are we going to be living in a Washington, D.C. that feels like a uh, an armed camp. I mean, how long are we going to have to live this way? Because I assume these threats don't go away on January 20th. Nothing was asked about what happened last week. Yes, we have a big event on Wednesday, but we just had the worst riot uh, in recent memory, in memory. And uh, no questions about that. She had a major role in securing the Capitol. Why no questions about that? There's something just totally odd. We have ostensibly smart people denying reality or refusing to look for the answers. In just three days, Joseph Robinette Biden will take the oath of office, addressing America in crisis, plagued by a pandemic, economic hardship, deeply divided, reeling from the most dramatic act of domestic terrorism our country has ever seen, all inspired by the president leaving office. Wow, George has it all figured out, all inspired by the man leaving office. And did you hear that? The worst domestic terror incident in the history 
of the country. And that's what, that's the narrative they want. This was the worst thing that ever happened to us. It was awful. It was terrible. Oops, we've been through a lot, right? How about the Oklahoma City bombing anyone? 168 lives were lost that day. That, I believe, was the worst case of domestic terrorism that I know of. It's truly homegrown terrorism. But they're denying now basic kind of history of our country. Um, George said this, though, and I think he's on to something with this little description. Head swirling, mind bending, surreal and historic. We are living through a major moment in the life of our republic. Mind bending, surreal. Yes. Now you're on to something, George. Totally. Some of the things we're seeing right now and how the media are going about their business is mind bending, is surreal. Um, this was uh, a moment from Congressman Raskin, who's been through a lot lately, uh, but he's one of the impeachment managers. If this thing ever gets to the Senate, listen to what he said yesterday. This was the most serious presidential crime in the history of the United States of America, the most dangerous crime by a president ever uh, committed against the United States. Ever committed against the United States, ever. The most dangerous crime. Got it all queued up. Ready for the most dangerous thing that ever happened to America? I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Wow. Um, you know, when I hear about presidential crimes, um, and this has been true for a long time, I think about FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who ordered Japanese Americans into essentially concentration camps during World War II. And we still have a great big highway named for FDR right here in New York City. Hmm. What else? Three more days. President Trump prepares to leave office, having caused the American carnage he railed against four years ago. After all the division, destruction, and death, what will his legacy be? Hello, I'm Jake Tapper in Washington, where the State of Our Union is on high alert because of the terrorists incited by the president. Wow, he's figured it all out. He already has declared the president incited it. People possibly on Capitol Hill are going to struggle with this one if this impeachment fiasco ever comes forward. But that so-called straight news show, he has figured it all out. And the name of his show is State of the Union, i.e., this is how it is, and I'm going to tell you how it is. Kind of like the way the Associated Press stated who the president was elected by <laughs> president select so now i'm going to leave you with this while many people have been rattling their head oh, this changed and this nothing's changed one person i noticed because i read everything actually discovered what i meant by this is the year of disappointment you're going to see a trial you're going to feel like you have lost every ounce of power you have. Yet one person discovered. Disappoint. The word finally showed up in the early 16th century. Although the prefix dis in disappoint, as usual in English, means not, the story of disappoint is more than just simple negation of a point. 
It is, in various senses, the source of disappoint was French, disappointer, which meant specifically to undo an appointment, to deprive of an appointment, office, or position, to remove from an office that had been previously granted by official power. Huh. Can you see why I said this is the year of disappointment? See, a lot of people do not understand history. That is history. And one person actually in the Telegram group said, I figured it out. And that's exactly it. We will disappoint everyone. And we will be doing it by the end of February. We are going to have such a great movement. This year of disappointment is to remove power from those that we did not consent to. This is how we move forward as a nation. This is how things are fixed. There is no knight in shining armor that's coming. There is no anything. You are it. You are the one. You are the official power that have granted the appointment to every single one of those people on your TV sets, on your radio airwaves, on your social media platforms, representing you in your city, in your state, and on a federal level. You are the official power. And to disappoint is to deprive one of an appointment. I don't know how else to say it. And you know, a lot of people are so lazy. Oh, that just sounds like a lot of work. Well, you want to be free, right? Disappointment. Look it up. Disappointment. I said this is the year of disappointment. So many of us have traveled from so far, far away to be here at this moment. Every single one of us born for this moment. Every single one of us here for that. This is it. And that's why he said Ohio is the lowest hanging fruit, the weakest target, the weakest target. And this is why he said we're going to start there. And that's what's so incredible. This is the year of disappointment. And when your president goes to trial, you better be right behind him, right behind him, because he stuck his neck out for you and took all those flaming arrows. All that mud for you. For you. And when someone puts their neck out for you, you should, at the very least, prop them up. And this is how it shall be done. This is telling you how it will be done. You will see just how much power you yield. Every single state in this nation will go through disappointment. I am so excited. I mean, at least that one person, actually, I'm pretty sure that a lot of you thought about it. But see, this is how we don't listen and we only hear things. See, that person listened. Read the laws that were created by our founding fathers. And remember, every single law that is passed in this great nation does not have a leg to stand on if you do not make it so.
And like one said, John Hack Hancock them to death. This is how we do it. The year of disappointment is here. And like I said, in 2019, New Year's Eve and, 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 and <laughs> oh gosh. And on 2019, New Year's Day, I told you all the enemies that were out there that now you can see plain as day. If you listen to my New Year's shows, you will see them plain as day. And so this is the first time in all my time that I've helped it usher the message more transparent, which is only because one person actually came forward with it and said it. We are a force to be reckoned with. And let this be known, none of us will go in silence. We will not allow them to vaccinate us. We will not allow them to bag and tag us. We will not allow them to pass any law that they wish. They gave us hell for four years. We're going to give them the biggest hell <laughs> in just four weeks. From impeachment articles to be filed to disappointing people on a local and federal level, they will not be able to even come out of a door. They will not be able to do anything. I want you to re-listen to my New Year's Day show. All of them, if you can. You know, doing laundry, mowing the lawn, if you can, shoveling snow, whatever it may be, cooking. Put me in your ears for the January 1st shows. I've done three of them. We are disappointing. This is the year of disappointment. We are so powerful that they are terrified. And the fact that they didn't succeed in removing the weapons scares them more because they are actually scared of death. But we're not going to kill them. That would be way too easy. It's kind of like, uh, you know, way, way too easy. Way too easy. We want them to be held accountable. We want them to be shown to the rest of the world. We want them to have it out. Now, Epic Times just put out um, a report on how, uh, president Trump actually, uh, put out a, an executive order preventing career bureaucrats from having anything on federal rules. That's down to the fact of those zoom calls. Uh, you know, now everyone's talking about it. You see your media failed you. The people that you trust failed you. They failed you because we could have accelerated the outcome instead for whatever reason it may be god chose to put the most pressure on you and this is what happens diamonds are made under pressure and you only fight when you know you've lost everything think about it what else do you have to lose? Your house? I'm telling you, it's already gone. Your privacy? It's been gone. Your ability to choose anything you put in your body? It's gone. Your money? That's totally gone. So what do you have to lose? 
what do you have to lose? Do you think that your bank account is safe? You saw them. They trampled his bank account because they wanted to. Do you think that your pension is safe? Nope. Your social security? Nope. Your health? Nope. Your education and your child's education? Nope. Your house? They can come and take it. Eminent domain. They can do whatever they want. Your ability to travel? Nope. You absolutely have nothing. Pay attention. You have nothing. Nothing whatsoever. You have nothing. So what is it that you have to lose? Nothing. So how does that work? What are you sitting back on the sidelines for? Why aren't you up in arms screaming at your local representative when you have nothing? You have absolutely nothing to lose. You already lost everything. You have nothing. Nothing. So why are you sitting, still sitting on the sidelines? The only thing you have is your voice. The only thing you have right now is your ability to take the reins. That's all you have. The word disappointment. I've told you that words are very important. I've told you that definitions are very important. While many of, uh, you know, all of you are looking, looking, that was the best explanation I have seen. <laughs> like Noam Chomsky, linguists, they pay attention to things because language is like math. It tells you everything you need to know. So while they're discussing re-education camps, segregating you into pens, taking away your money and bringing you into digital currency, forcing you to get ID'd and tattooed and whatever they want, those yellow stars are coming out. All you have to think about is, hey, I got nothing else to lose. I'm taking control of this now. It's over for them. They just haven't realized it. And I'm telling you right now, I already know the future and I know how it ends. And in the end, God always wins. Why? Because there are so many people silent running, getting things done the way it was intended to be done. Silent running, that's the way it is. That's how it's been. And so for all of you out there that are watching all these various reports Various persons discussing things, telling you what's to come and what's not to come. I want you to remember, you're the one with the power. Nobody has the magic formula for you except for you. So on that note, I will see you guys tomorrow. And make sure you remember that this train wreck that we're in is not a bad thing. Because if you see just how bad it is, that's when you disembark. Laying in the silence, waiting for the sirens. Signs, any signs, I'm alive still. I don't wanna lose it, but I'm not getting through this. Hey, should I pray? Should I pray? Yeah.
myself to a God, to a Savior Unbreak the broken, unsay these spoken words Find hope in the hopeless, pull me out the chamber Unburn the ashes, unshake the reality of the chamber Pull me out Pull me out, pull me out Pull me out, pull me out, pull me out Underneath our back line We've still got a sanctum home Still at home, still at home, yeah It's not too late to build it back Cause a one and